Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And uh, speaking of traveling the world, we're actually currently traveling through Central America. Uh, we started off in Mexico, then traveled overland into Belize, then into Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and then as of a few days ago, we're here in beautiful Leon, Nicaragua. So we'll be exploring Nicaragua and into Costa Rica. And we're documenting all of our travels on our website, which is uh, daddyblogger.com. And as we're traveling, we actually love interviewing fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers, and especially fellow dads. Uh, I'm a big passionate of uh, family travel, and whenever I meet another dad, I'm super excited uh, uh, to connect and to uh, learn about their perspective in the travel, family travel, life abroad, and more. And uh, we actually have a dad on the show today. Uh, his name's Alan Wagner. Uh, he's actually uh, from the U.S., and uh, him and his wife, they've actually uh, moved to Spain, and they're living with their two kids in Spain for the last five years. Uh, so we're going to be finding out all about Alan and his wife and their family, about uh, their journey into Spain, about some of the highlights, the lowlights, about education and work and travel and uh, their blog as well. So a lot more. So you're in for a treat. So Alan, uh, how are you doing over there in beautiful Spain today? Doing very well. Thanks for having me, Ricky. You're very welcome, Alan. Thanks for being on. Uh, so why don't we firstly get to know you a little bit better, Alan, if you want to do a quick introduction and share a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, Alan Wagner. Uh, our blog is Wagner's Abroad. Um, my wife and I, fr both from the U.S., uh, the last state that we lived in was North Carolina, and we had lived there for uh, about 12 years. Um, we had, you know, raised a family. That's where we started our family. We did the typical thing. He bought a house, a big house, and filled it up with a, with two kids, a dog, and uh, you know a, a bunch of a bunch of stuff, a bunch of junk. Um, and uh, I, I think it was actually Heidi, my wife, who was the driving force, but, but for the hey, we should move to Spain. And um, I'll be honest, I thought she had lost her mind uh, when she suggested that we should quit our jobs and sell everything. Um, but once we kind of did the numbers and found out, you know what, we can live in Spain and financially do it, I was sold. And it's it's pretty amazing how everything kind of fell in, into place uh, in terms of selling our house, uh, selling our cars and all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, five years on, we're still here in Spain. Uh, for what was supposed to be a, a one year, maybe a year and a half trip. So I guess we're doing okay. Incredible, incredible. And, uh, you know, it's a very uncommon story in terms of the broader, uh, you know, the suburban family unit. But it's a very common story in terms of our interviews and in terms of the digital nomad lifestyle. More and more people are, are following suit and selling their home and traveling. That's something we did as well a year and uh, probably about 14 months ago. Uh, we ended up selling our stuff and uh, traveling for the last uh, year and a bit, and we're considering relocating somewhere as well. Part of this journey is uh, figuring out what, what we, where we like, where we don't like, what are the things that are important to us, like the climate right. and the sunny blue skies is definitely important, cost of living, uh, obviously for the kids, what, how are they going to socialize, education. Um, so I'd love to hear about your perspective into, um, firstly, um, you know, the logistics of uh, moving and also your decision-making process in terms of uh, choosing the location. What were the main factors that were important to you and your wife? 
Right. So I, I think for, for most people who are, are are thinking, you know, wow, can I move to Spain or can I move abroad uh, with a family? Um, a lot of it comes down to, you know, what do they have in terms of debt? Um, you know, getting out from under that credit card debt can be really challenging for people. Um, we were lucky we'd been saving um, saving money for, for quite a while. And um, so that wasn't too uh, much of a difficult transition for us. Um, you know, when we were thinking about Spain, you know, what were the big things for us? We had to be by the water. So that was Mediterranean. You know, that's kind of the, the big thing I think everybody thinks about. Uh, so was that uh, we wanted to be within an hour of a major airport so we could get around Europe and Spain easily. And um, we just wanted a, a not a big city, but not a, a really tiny town or, or Pueblo. And um, we did a checkout drive, I think, uh, the um, a few months before we actually moved here. And we basically drove along the whole Mediterranean coast from Valencia all the way to Malaga looking for uh, a suitable place for us. And, and we found it. Awesome. That must be such an incredible feeling to uh, finally uh, get the sense of home. Uh, so tell us about the logistics of moving. So you ended up selling a lot of your stuff, uh, your cars, your home, etc. But I'm sure you actually had to uh, uh, bring a lot of stuff with you, uh, but obviously you could buy stuff. So tell us about um, to move overseas in terms of not just a, a traveler, but actually to live there. What are the key things you brought along besides the, the common stuff like clothes and toiletries, technology, but maybe you walk us through some of the more unusual things or some of the things in general that you brought and did you just bring it yourself or did you have ship, stuff shipped over? Right, um, yeah, when we first moved over to Spain, you know, we were basically a backpack and a suitcase for each one of us. So we wow. had a really small footprint. Um, you know, you, you mentioned technology, you know, we had to have the computers, um, the kids had their computers and Heidi and I had our computers, of course. Um, on top of that, I think probably the odd thing that we brought over was some, some workbooks um, for the kids in terms of different subjects, um, things that they could write on uh, and complete while we were traveling. And then when they were done, they could, you know, tear the page out and the book got smaller and smaller and smaller as, as we traveled. Um, but, you know, since we've been in Spain, um, we've, you know, we've increased our footprint a bit, uh, but we were here in Spain for two years and then we traveled for a year in Southeast Asia and went back to the really small footprint. Um, so yeah, I, I guess in terms of, you know, kind of coming over here, you know, planning to move abroad or, or travel abroad for any uh, period of time, it, my suggestion would be to carry only what you need because, uh, you know, it's amazing what one pound extra, you know, traveling through on buses and planes and trains, it, it really adds up. Yeah, definitely familiar with that. When we started off on our journey, we uh, had a suitcase and a backpack, and uh, my wife uh, ended up bringing too much, and I kept telling her, because I've done a lot of traveling in the past, hey, we got to travel light, travel light, because we're going to travel right, through right. Asia and Africa and South America, and we got to 
lug a suitcase up taxis and uh, buses and up staircases and hostels and hotels. So now we're actually traveling with carry-on only. It took us uh, you know, a while to kind of minimize and downsize, but now carry-on only, and it's been phenomenal because uh, whenever we fly, we don't have to worry about checking or checking uh, the baggage in. Uh, when we're uh, just walking around the town, going to a hotel or hostel, we don't need to take taxis sometimes, we can just walk them. So I'm a big advocate of uh, carry-on only and uh, packing and traveling light. Uh, so one of the other uh, you know, uh, factors that people have when they're considering living overseas is the whole visa situation. Uh, so how did you manage to get a long-term visa in Spain? Well, we, we did some research and uh, there were a couple of uh, kind of the obvious visas. Uh, the one that we settled on is called the non-lucrative visa. And basically that allows you to stay in Spain um, for a year and you're not allowed to work. Uh, and basically when I say you're not allowed to work, you're basically not supposed to take a job away from a Spaniard. Uh, when we moved to Spain, unemployment was really, really high here, uh, especially in the 18 to 24 demographic where it was, uh, I think, a little over 50%. So um, the, the non-lucrative visa worked for us for the first year, and we've kept renewing that uh, since, we've, since we've been here. So um, I, also, I also wrote a book on how Americans, how people can uh, obtain uh, the non-lucrative or retirement visa, and I do consulting around that, both Heidi and I do. Well, there you go. If you're in, interested, interested or considering uh, moving to Spain, definitely reach out to Alan and Heidi, and uh, they can uh, do some coaching and consulting on the topic. Uh, walk us through the finances of actually that visa, like uh, uh, roughly how much do you need uh, in the bank or how much do you need uh, uh, to apply. Uh, walk us through some of the financial uh, logistical issues regarding getting that visa. Right. Okay. So for the non-lucrative visa, it's it's really the finances in in terms of being able to prove to the Spanish government that you have the financial means of living and staying in Spain without becoming um, a drag on their economy. And basically, it comes down to for a, a the primary person. So let's say a single person. Um, I want to say it's roughly 25,000 euros that you need to show that you have. And that can be in savings or checking, 401k, uh, investment accounts. Uh, it, it's basically a picture that you're kind of providing to Spain. Hey, here's, here, here's my money. You know, you don't have to worry about me going on Social Security. Um, in terms of dependents, it's roughly 600 euros per month per dependent. So for example, you're looking at roughly uh, 50,000 euros for a family of four uh, to, to stay you know, for the first year under the non-lucrative visa. And uh, tell us also about uh, what kind of work are you guys doing? Because technically, like you said, you're not supposed to be working in terms of taking a job away from the the, the, um, the local people. Uh, but tell us maybe right. some of the work you guys are doing online to continue to bring that income in uh, so you can survive and live and thrive and travel. Right. Um, well, a lot of the, the publicity that, that we get is through our Wagner's Abroad um, blog. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've, I've written a couple of books. 
uh, one called Live in Spain, another one called Education in Spain, which details, you know, how the, the education system works here in Spain for primary and secondary schools. Um, Heidi's written a book about driving in Spain. So everything in Spain kind of thing is, is what we're working on. Uh, so between, I think, uh, roughly half a dozen books, uh, we do consulting around relocation, helping people relocate to, relocate to Spain. Um, we've also helped people, I want to say 30 to 40 families or couples move to our area, our, our town, which wow. is kind of blows, blows my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that helps kind of pay the bills. Yeah, that's very impressive that you're able to bring that many families uh, uh, over there to your neck of the woods. And of course, now you have that community around you. Uh, so tell us about education, because as a dad and uh, of course, as parents, that's one of our big concerns. What are we going to do with the schooling and uh, also the socialization of our kids? So uh, tell us about your choices there in terms of schooling for your kids and also about uh, socialization, community, extracurricular activities for the kids. Right. So when we first moved to Spain or thinking about moving to Spain, the kids were uh, seven and ten, I believe, um, maybe eight and ten. And, you know, since we were thinking that, oh, this is only going to be a year, maybe a year and a half, our biggest goal was let's have the kids become fluent in Spanish. That that was that was really it. Um, I remember conversations months before we moved saying, OK, guys, all your mom and I are concerned about is becoming fluent. The grades, we're not worried about that. Um, you know, my, my son, who's the overachiever, he was like, OK, I'm going to go there and I'm going to learn Spanish in a month and then I'll get, you know, straight A's. Um, the other thing we, we decided was that we wanted the kids to be in a public school just so the socialization in Spanish, uh, the, the kind of the standard Spanish culture, which it might not if uh, we had put them in an international school or even a private school. So, um, you know, I would say the first three months for both the kids was very difficult um just in terms of kind of fish out of water not understanding everything um but at the end of three months they started to get into a rhythm they understood what was going on um they had resources to to help them uh learn spanish after six months i would say they were fairly fluent and after a year it was just they were like natives. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. My my son uh, was at the top of the class at the end of the first year. So um, it was, it, it's as a parent kind of watching the kids change, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, it kind of bugs me that they're fluent in Spanish and I'm not, but um, basically goal achieved with them becoming fluent in Spanish. That is phenomenal. Uh, tell us about uh, what methods are uh, you using to teach yourself Spanish, because that's something we're learning now. We're work working with a company uh, called Baselang. Uh, they're actually one of our sponsors uh, for our website. Uh, they are documenting our journey to learn Spanish, and they're, they're going to be making a little video for uh, YouTube on there, too. Uh, but basically, with Baselang, I'll quickly explain it. It's uh, unlimited Spanish and uh, normally costs 129 US per month for unlimited one-on-one -on -one, uh, private tutoring. So it's a pretty phenomenal uh, price for unlimited tutoring. You can learn if you wanted 
uh, you know, six hours a day, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day uh, right. for the whole month. So that's what we're doing. We're using uh, Baseline, Baseline.com. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, but tell us about your own journey. Uh, what resources, tools have you used to learn Spanish for your family? Right. So the kids were, were pretty much handled through school. Um, we put them in after school programs so that they could kind of play with local kids um, and kind of learn Spanish while playing and not in a, a typical classroom setting. Uh, for Heidi and I, you know, we've, we've done online courses through, uh, you know, various companies. We've partnered locally here in Almuñecar with uh, a, a couple. Um, we've both, Heidi and I have both done uh, the intensive uh, immersive programs. Um, you know, we did, both Heidi and I did uh, a company called Diverbo and they have a, a Pueblo Espanol program. You know, and you you spend a whole week and you're just speaking Spanish. So, um, granted, you need to have a certain level before you go in there, but um, but yeah, it was definitely a worthwhile program. And then a lot of it, you know, my hats off to Heidi. She goes out a lot more than I do. You know, she's um, willing to just kind of try to make herself understood. Me, I, I tend to try to think and exactly conjugate everything properly before I speak. So uh, I probably don't come off as as being very smart because I'm not talking much. Um, but yeah, it's just an ongoing kind of process, uh, learning Spanish, you know, uh, I grew up my my on my mother's side uh, was me Mexican heritage, so I took some some Spanish in in high school and middle school. But the Spanish they speak here is slightly different, you know, in terms of the verbs they use, the conjugation. Uh, there's a weird conjugation that they use here that they don't in Latin Spanish. So um, you know, it's just kind of tuning your ear. To, for words and, and verbs and nouns and all that kind of kind of good stuff. Well, definitely wishing you the best in your goal to attain fluency. I know how hard it is to learn uh, Spanish. <laughs> just to learn a, a language in general is definitely uh, you know a long way uphill. We got to do the things you mentioned: those online courses, uh, those immersion. Uh, the, a lot of it's the mindset. I feel too. Uh, the more you believe, right. it, the more you can. So yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, tips and tools there. So I'd love to hear about um, what have been some of your highlights uh, of living in Spain, but maybe also share some of the not-so-highlights, the lowlights, because you typically see all the good stuff on social media, the blog, right, YouTube, right. et cetera, but maybe walk us through some of those, uh, the peaks and the valleys. What have you been right. going through uh, in the first few years in Spain? Well, we've been to every autonomous community in Spain. Uh, except for the the Canary Islands, so autonomous uh, communities are roughly analogous to states in the United States. So um, um, we have a good background in kind of the, what what places look like. Um, in terms of the highs, I would have to say across the board, wherever we've been in Spain, the Spanish people have been fantastic, very helpful, very understanding. Um, you know, so that would be my, my first thing. Um, in terms of the history in Spain, um, you know, it, it's so much older than the United States. Um, you know, in, in our area alone, the town we live in is almost 3,000 years old. 
So the Phoenicians actually started this town. You know, so you have the Phoenicians, the Romans, the um, uh, the Germanic tribes that came in here, the Moors, the Christians. It's it's really amazing. Um, in terms of beautiful sights to see, you know, there's the the standard um, in Granada, the Alhambra, which is a beautiful uh, kind of castle uh, and garden. Uh, the natural beauty here is is fantastic. Um, in our particular area, it reminds me a lot of Southern California and Nevada. You know, there's deserty areas. Um, there's just so much to see here in terms of different beaches. Uh, I, I can't really give you a, a fantastic, oh, here's, you know, uh, a top 10 list because everything's just really phenomenal. Um, so to answer your question about the bad, uh, sometimes, you know, when it, in, when it comes to uh, interacting with government agencies, uh, trying to get things done, you know, the, the Spanish are, they kind of let things happen. They're not, you know, oh, I want to fix this. I want to get this done. It's just, it happens when it happens. And it can be very frustrating, you know, even still, and we've been here for five years. Um, but again, you know, the Spaniards in general have been been very nice and very helpful. So um, we're, you know, right now Spain is home to us. It's It's home to our kids. So, you know, I, I guess that kind of says a lot right there. Yeah, it definitely says a lot if you've been there for five years. And uh, like you said, the people are definitely what makes or breaks a country. So the fact that the Spanish are so phenomenal and over here, uh, you know, the Central American, South American people, no matter what country you've been to, are phenomenal. And I can echo your sentiments on the frustration with timing. They call it Nika time, Nika time here in Nicaragua. Right. But, uh, no, nothing goes according to schedule. There are no schedules for buses and all. You just show up and whenever they get full, they leave. So, and I'm sure it's much better over there in Europe and uh, Spain than it is over here in Central and South America. So I can uh, definitely uh, you know, relate to your struggles there, Alan. Uh, so tell us about um, some of your travels. You mentioned um, you uh, left for a year to actually travel to Southeast Asia and uh, you travel obviously around Europe. Uh, maybe uh, share, with you, uh, share with us uh, some of the places you've been and some of the highlights of your travels while you've been based in Europe. Oh, wow. Um, well, let's see. We've been to France a number of times. We did uh, a house sit. Uh, there was a family in Morzine, France, uh, up in the, I guess it's the French Alps. And they had a dog that they needed uh, to be looked after. And a uh, great dog. It was a lab. Uh, we used to have a Labrador, so it was um, normally a ski area, and we were there in the summer. So Lars and I, we were able to rent um, downhill uh, bicycles and just bomb down the mountains uh, in Morzine, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, the kids were able to do um, one of those Superman zip lines, and they had a blast there. Um, I'm trying to think... Um, We've seen some incredible beaches here in Spain. Um, wow. Portugal is is a, a gorgeous place, both Porto and Lisbon. We really enjoyed. Um, uh, for Christmas, we spent Scotland, uh, the 2016 Christmas in Scotland. That was amazing. Uh, this last year, 2017, we were in Amsterdam and Brussels. So it's it's 
it's amazing how close close things are, uh, you know, if you're close to an airport. Yeah, Europe travels are a lot easier because the distances are so short and the flights are so cheap. Uh, right. So tell us about uh, your vision forward. Uh, so you've been there for five years. Uh, so what is the vision forward? Are you guys going to resettle ever, repatriate back to the U.S.? Are you pretty much lifers in Spain? Right. So, so that's a good question. Um, since we've been here five years, the last renewal for the non-lucrative visa, we're now allowed to work. So we're trying to figure out, you know, do we actually find a Spanish company to work for? Um, our our consulting business is really kind of starting to, to take off quite a bit. So that's good. Uh, with the kids, the kids are in secondary school, you know, which is roughly analogous to high school. So we're reluctant to move and kind of upset their their situation. Uh, they're in a good groove. They've got friends and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we have no desire to go back to the U.S. and live. Uh, we were there this last summer, and you know we stuffed ourselves with all of our favorite, you know, fast food places, um, <laughs> yes. but no real desire to to move back and and just deal with the the day to day grind, which is why we left in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're going to be in Spain probably at least another five years. Awesome, awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing the journey ahead. So uh, most of these questions I've been asking, you're actually documenting it and of course a lot more on your website. So maybe you can walk us through the website. Uh, how long has it been running and what are the major themes and topics you guys are writing about on the site? Right. So the, the main um, blog that we have is called Wagner's Abroad. Uh, and my last name is spelled W-A-G-O-N-E-R, uh, like a wagon wheel. So wagnersabroad.com. And we basically kind of started off, you know, just kind of saying, hey, you know, everybody, you know, here's kind of where we are at mentally. You know, why are we moving to Spain or why are we leaving the United States? Uh, why are we leaving great jobs and a nice house and all that kind of stuff? And, uh, you know, we kind of lay it all out there in terms of our financing, uh, you know, what we spend, our budget, you know, per month, um, our travels. Um, we, we, we noticed that there was a lack of information online uh, here in our town. So we, we created another blog that's not travel related, but it's basically for all those expats, the English speaking expats and tourists that come in. Uh, you know, hey, where do I go? How do I pay a, a parking ticket? Uh, you know, where's the recycle? All the kind of mundane stuff. Um, and that's actually starting to really get good traction. So, you know, as they say in Spain, poco a poco, little by little. Um, and yeah, we, we, you know, we basically share kind of everything. Awesome. Well, it's been uh, great to have you on. I uh, would love to ask you one final question about uh, if people are considering relocating and maybe doing something similar to you. It's obviously a huge, um, major life decision and a lot of fears, insecurity, self-doubts. Obviously, the first step is to get your consulting, uh, but any uh, practical tips you would give to someone to uh, get the ball rolling besides the Nike Just Do It slogan? Right. I, I think the before the just do it is there's the can I do it question. And the, the answer is absolutely. You absolutely can do this. 
Um, it's much cheaper than people think. Um, you know, if it's if travel is a priority, then you can absolutely make it happen. Love it, love it. Uh, can I do it? Uh, that's the question to ask yourself. And if others can do it, so can you. So that's a great philosophy right. to have. Um, you've been definitely inspira inspiring. Obviously, you've already brought over, like you said, uh, 50, 60, 70 uh, families over to that neck of the woods. Uh, so in closing here, Alan, how can people connect with you? You have that major site, and also you said you have quite a few other sites, and of course your social media. Uh, maybe walk us through the different sites you have and some of the ways that people can reach out. Right. So we're, we're basically, you know, if you uh, go to wagnersabroad.com, uh, there's a contact us on Facebook. We're, you know, Facebook, Wagner's Abroad. Um, in terms of Twitter, I don't, I don't know what we do for Twitter. Uh, my wife pretty much handles the uh, social media things. But, uh, you know, I think in Google, if you search family of four Spain, we're the first kind of links that comes up. So we're, we're pretty easy to find. You mentioned some of the other sites. So uh, there's the major one. What are the, some of the other sites you guys run? Right. So there's um, almuniacarinfo.com. And uh, we have a subdomain, another site, uh, a directory site. So businesses can sign up and um, basically become found via Google search, you know, if somebody's looking for real estate or hotels um, or other businesses like that. So it's uh, almuniacarinfo.com is, is the other the other one. And, and uh, Wagner's Abroad and almuniacarinfo, those are the two big ones that we're working on. Awesome. I'll actually have those links below so you'll be able to click right through. Uh, so, Alan, uh, thanks again for all of your insights and, uh, you know, uh, time here today. It was great to chat with you and to learn all about your expat life over there in beautiful Spain. Thanks for having me on, Ricky. You're very welcome, and thanks everyone for tuning into this episode, a very enlightening one, all about life as an expat in Spain. I highly encourage and recommend uh, people uh, reach out to Alan and Heidi to get some one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting, uh, then you can really do a deeper dive into your own personal issue, your situation, and any further questions that we didn't have a chance to cover here on the show today. So thanks everyone. For tuning into this episode, make sure you follow us along as well as we continue our travels around the world at daddyblogger.com and digitalnomadmastery.com. So thanks, everyone. Happy travels. We'll catch up with you guys in the next episode.